I joined the University of Georgia in 1970, wow. and uh, 41st year of continuous teaching. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you all for coming out. While you finish eating, let me make a few announcements and just get a couple things started before I introduce our speaker. Um, if you don't know me, my name is Mitch Lerner. I'm Associate Professor of History and the Director of the Institute for Korean Studies here at Ohio State University, uh, and I am honored to welcome our guest here today. Before we get started, let me offer a few thank yous. Um, I need to acknowledge, as always, the generous support of the Mershon Center, particularly its director, Craig Jenkins, and Ann Powers, who is actually the one who runs everything um, and is around somewhere. So I want to thank them for their support, both for this event and for the other things that the uh, Mershon Center supports through the Korea Institute. Uh, I want to acknowledge the support of the History Department and its chair, Peter Hahn, for their support of today's program. And of course, everybody at the East Asia Studies Center and the Korea Institute itself, who puts a lot of time and effort into making these things happen. Um, let me also make announcements about a couple other events that we have coming up that might be of interest to you. Uh, tomorrow, wow, tomorrow, yes, tomorrow, uh, because this is Korea week around my household. Uh, tomorrow, we have a speaker coming in. This is Jun Sit Choi from the Department of Korean Studies at Uha Women's University in Seoul. He is coming to talk about Characteristics of Korean Culture from the Perspective of Korean Traditional Arts. Uh, this is a talk focusing on Korean art, music, dance in the late Joseon Dynasty period and what it tells us about Korean society as a whole. Another event we have that is in fact housed here at the Mershon Center is on Monday, February 27th. This is an all-day conference about North Korea in the Cold War. We have three panels, each running two hours. We have 10 speakers coming from throughout the world, really, experts on North Korean foreign policy. Um, we have people, three from Korea. We have one from Columbia, Georgetown, George Washington, a handful of others, all coming to talk about newly released documents from the former communist bloc state and what it tells us about North Korean international relations during the Cold War and what lessons we might draw from that. There is a keynote address by Marcus Nolan, a very prominent uh, Korean expert in political economy, and closing remarks from Christian Osterman, the director of the Woodrow Wilson International Center for Scholars in DC. Uh, so if you're interested in that, the details are on the Rashan Center webpage. I would encourage you to RSVP to Ann Powers. She's trying to get a general sense of who's coming. Now on to today's topic, um, and I, I, as I often start when I talk about Korea. I like to quote former Vice President Walter Mondale, who once said that anyone who claims to be an expert on North Korea is either a liar or a fool. Now, I admit I think that's somewhat of an overbroad generalization, but the more I watch television, the more I see the talking heads and the more I read the media coverage, the more I recognize that there is a legitimate kernel of truth in the statement. And so I'm particularly thrilled today that I can welcome a speaker to campus who I can describe with 100% certainty as, in fact, an expert on North Korea. Dr. Han Park is University Professor of Public and International Affairs and Director of the Center for the Study of Global Issues at the University of Georgia. He was born in China to Korean immigrants and has pursued his education in China, in Korea, and in the United States. He earned his PhD in political science from the University of Minnesota in 1971. Among his many publications are Human Needs and Political Development in 1984, China and North Korea in 1990, North Korea, The Politics of Unconventional Wisdom in 2002, and many more. 
He's acted as consultant to former U.S. President Jimmy Carter for his visits to Pyongyang in 1994 and 2010. He was instrumental in the release of the American journalists held in North Korea in 2009. Uh, he has been invited just over the past year or so to provide briefings to the foreign ministers of Denmark, Sweden, and Italy, among others. And I discovered last night over dinner that he has been to Pyongyang roughly 50 times, uh, which has got to be some kind of record. He has also organized numerous informal discussions about North Korea, including one held just last year he was telling me about in Georgia uh, that brought together leading officials from both the North and the South in an effort to at least establish a baseline for future negotiations. Among his many achievements, he was recently awarded the Gandhi King Akita Community Builder Award from Morehouse College in Atlanta. And his talk today is entitled, Kim Jong-un in North Korea, Implications for the Region and Beyond. So please welcome him to the Rashad Center. Go ahead. Uh keep working with your meal. That's okay. Uh, so I'll, I'll uh, uh, try to uh, maximize uh, my stay here, here, meaning here, as much as possible. Uh, I came from Athens, Georgia yesterday. I'm leaving after this talk, a town that I've never visited before. And uh, there's a lot of uh, similarity between uh, our two campuses and uh, uh, but also some unique uh, features. We don't have uh, Institute of Korean Studies there. Uh, well, today's talk is uh, rather difficult because uh, uh, Kim Jong-un is so new. I've not met him, and I hope to see him uh, and uh, be able to uh, read between lines uh, Getting information from North Korea, that's the only way. You have to read between lines. Uh, and uh, today's talk uh, about Kim Jong-un and uh, implications of his uh, 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 emergence or ascent, uh, basically, Korea is important because it is dangerous. North Korea is important because it has the ability to stir up militarily or even otherwise uh, the region and perhaps around the world. If North Korea was not suspected to have nuclear weapons capability, North Korea has never would have become a North Korea today. We're interested in North Korea because of security implications, among other things. Uh, so, truly, the Korean Peninsula is the most militarily fortified spot in the entire world, with two million soldiers in uniform, well-trained soldiers in uniform. The demilitarized zone is fairly uh, a spectacular area uh, that uh, has never been uh, lived by any uh, uh, human, uh, human, uh, human being uh, for uh, 60 some years. Uh, and it, it, it may be a small area, but relative to the size of the peninsula, it's a really fairly big 
piece of uh, real estate. The DMZ runs across the, uh, the peninsula, in the middle of the peninsula. The length is uh, it's, uh, uh, 250 kilometers, translated to like 160 miles. And the width of that is uh, uh, 2.5 miles, 4 kilometers. <coughs> so you have 2.5 miles running through the peninsula, 160 miles. That's no small uh, piece of land. Uh, it, it's there. There, uh, that area, either side, is extremely uh, militarily prepared. Not only will you have human personnel, but also you have weapons, all kinds of weapons from either side. The other side we know now. They have a nuclear weapons and delivery capability as far as the Korean Peninsula, maybe reaching the entire Japan. Uh, and uh, also we have to be mindful of the fact that uh, we have some uh, 75,000 plus uh, U.S. soldiers in that part of the world, uh, majority in Okinawa, but 26, 28,000 in South Korea. They're all within the distance of North Korean strike. They have uh, precision-guided uh, missiles. They have the nuclear, they talk about nuclear weapons. I don't know. Probably uh, they are not capable of uh, having weapons small and light enough uh, to put on the, war, uh, the missiles uh, uh, tips. But uh, it is a very uh, dangerous place. Furthermore, the Korean Peninsula is one in which different players are involved with a lot of hostility animosities. Inter-Korea relationship, we say to Koreas the very similar. But the level of hostility, antagonism, mutual rejection is such that we cannot think of viable unification at this time. And if the Korea were somehow unified politically, I, I think there would be a lot of uh, social political turmoils. I don't know if the unification is worthwhile at, at this time. So that much dangerous situation. And also North Koreans are uh, very, very unique species. Very difficult to understand. That's why I'm here. Yes, Kim Jong-il died somewhat abruptly last year. Uh, in fact, this December 17th, I think it was, uh, he died uh, of a natural cause at the age of 69. Uh, in 2008, he suffered a stroke. So since then, we have seen he is not really healthy person. But his health was not uh, deteriorating at the time of his passing. Uh, so people, especially North Koreans, expected him to live uh, at least for a few more years, three, maybe five more years. Uh, but uh, the death came uh, rather abruptly. His son, Kim Jong-un, uh, since 2008, the stroke uh, time, uh, has been groomed, so to speak. Uh, last year, when Kim Jong-il visited North Korea, I mean China, 
he of course uh, was accompanied by his son Kim Jong-un at least once and uh, there are two occasions of his trip. Uh, if my uh, personal uh, information is correct, on both occasions Kim Jong-un accompanied his father uh, last year uh, to China. And uh, why did he do that and all that? But uh, basically uh, to train him. So this, this youngster, no matter how uh, diligently the system tried to train him, would have been too short and he's too young, inexperienced. Uh, we don't know anything about him. And, and now this guy may have the ability, uh, not ability, the, the power to, uh, uh, to work with the, the weapons, the huge military. So unpredictable, so difficult for us to gauge the direction of North Korea. So here I come in as so-called an expert. Uh, I have visited North Korea many times, but important uh, fact there is I've never missed a single year to visit North Korea since 1990. Every and each and every year I've visited North Korea at the, at the rate of roughly three times uh, a year. Uh, so in this year, I haven't gone yet, but next month I'll, I'll hope to, to go and see perhaps a visit with Kim Jong-un. Uh, over the years, uh, I have avoided uh, media exposure because I wanted to prolong my working relationship with North Korea and South Korea. Uh, and uh, inter-Korea situation is that if you are a friend of one, uh, you are, by, by extension, an enemy of the other. So it's a very difficult to walk on the tight rope, uh, in, so to speak, in that situation. And I think I've done it uh, to a large extent because of my job security here in the United States, tenured professor for 40 plus years, and, uh, and, and also um, I have been working uh, rather uh, closely with uh, uh, some politicians, including uh, Jimmy Carter uh, and the like. So, and Dean Rusk began with Dean Rusk, was my colleague at the University of Georgia when I came there. Uh, the same year he joined the university. So we developed uh, acquaintance and friendship. Uh, so South Koreans couldn't, uh, uh, couldn't penalize me for going to North Korea beyond a certain extent, and North Koreans uh, did, not, uh, uh, did not stop inviting me because uh, I have never publicly uh, criticized the leadership. Uh, but in private situation, I don't know if this is exactly a private uh, situation, <laughs> Uh, I, I, so this is a campus. I, I feel rather comfortable. Uh, so I think I know uh, North Korea on the ground fairly well. I have uh, spoken with, uh, uh, associated with the same uh, group of people, very small number, consistently, and developed a friendship and drank together. And if you have a lubricant in the form of alcohol, sometimes you get, uh, you extract more, more information 
from these people. So uh, now Kim Jong-un, uh, before we talk about Kim Jong-un, I think it's very important, very briefly, by way of conceptual framework, you've got to know the history. Uh, somehow in today's political scientists, I'm one, uh, we tend to neglect historical history, significance of history. Uh, they talk about, everyone talk about this third generation, uh, Kim, Kim Il-sung, Kim Jong-il, and Kim Jong-un. Now these three generations are distinct and different. At the same time, they are within the same extended family. There's a lot of sameness there, but the context have changed. Domestic context and international context, inter-Korea context. The context explains one's conduct, one's behavior. We all, individuals, groups, nation states, governments, they're all products of the time and social, political, ideological, economic, historical milieu uh, uh, of the time, at the time. So uh, we have to uh, inject a little bit of history here. When Kim Il-sung established the country, uh, certainly out of the colonial rule under Japan, the Japanese colonial rule was a very aggressive very complete uh, from the colonial uh, policy point of view, as many of you are familiar with that. Uh, so Kim Il-sung uh, makes his uh, charismatic leadership uh, because of the presence of the colonial experience. He made himself uh, correctly and in a, to a large extent incorrectly and deceptively as the one who uh, liberated the country uh, from Japan. It was international environment, certainly United States had a lot to do with it, uh, that uh, defeated uh, Japan. Uh, at any rate, uh, here Kim Il-sung's job was to build the country, build the nation, build the nation apart from South Korea. They tried initially to have unified Korea. It didn't work out for understandable reasons. So North Korea, Kim Il-sung, wanted to establish a sovereign state. And then as soon as the state was established, what happened? The Korean War ensued uh, within two years. Basically, uh, before the system was established, solidified, the Korean War swept uh, the peninsula. And, uh, uh, Kim Il-sung was unable to solidify uh, the, the, the system. So right after the Korean War in 1953, for about five, seven years, Kim Il-sung wanted to solidify his power base, integrate the political system by purging political enemies. And there are a lot of uh, uh, harsh uh, policies against his uh, political enemies. That happened. At the same time, there was South Korea with a strong backing from the United States and Western world, alliance system, and with the democratic, liberal democratic institutions, capitalism. Now, North Korea was uh, positioned uh, in a competition uh, situation where inter-Korea relations 
has always been, a relationship has always been guided by what I call a legitimate, legitimacy war. Uh, in either government, uh, the territory in the Constitution is defined as inclusive of all whole peninsula. So they cannot accept the partition as a permanent uh, situation, although de facto it is permanent, it has been. So here, North Korea wanted to establish something, especially late 60s on. They were lagging behind in, in, in terms of economic competition, political, uh, political activities behind South Korea very rapidly. So they wanted to do something about it, and they couldn't compete with the South uh, that had American and Western backing and capitalist interaction, uh, interrelationship. Uh, so what Kim, Kim Il-sung did, they wanted to establish something which is different from South Korea. Political legitimacy in North Korea has never been founded on economic performance. Whereas South Korea, political legitimacy has always been based on performance of the leadership, especially in the area of economy and, uh, and, and uh, people's uh, uh, well-being. So here are two different bases of legitimacy or legitimizing power. And one is ideology and the other was performance. In North Korea, that ideology was self-reliance doctrine because South Korea was all but self-reliant. So wanted to have something contrasting with South Korea. That was self-reliance doctrine. Of course, uh, you had a Soviet, uh, Sino-Soviet dispute and uh, Kim Il-sung uh, could not pay, uh, uh, could not prefer one over the other uh, at the risk of antagonizing the other. So he developed that position of uh, stronger nationalism, equal distance uh, between Beijing and, uh, uh, and, uh, and Moscow. Uh, that, of course, reinforced the Juche or self-reliance doctrine. So North Korea, Kim Il-sung, the first generation Kim Il-sung is nation building based on political ideology, not economic performance. That ideology, as I said, was self-reliance or Juche doctrine. Now, he died. He died. But no one thought he would die. He was 83 years old. He really died really abruptly. Some two weeks after Jimmy Carter uh, met with him in Pyongyang. Uh, Jimmy Carter as former president at that time in 1994. Uh, I was uh, uh, working uh, for him uh, informally and made arrangement for his visit and everything else. So went there, and uh, they, he, uh, they agreed, uh, Kim Il-sung agreed to a lot of things, uh, to freeze the nuclear uh, program, to uh, a summit meeting with Kim Jong-sam of South Korea, agreed on these things, but uh, uh, he passed away uh, within uh, two weeks or two, three weeks. He died in 1994. That was really abrupt. And then 
that's the time when all the communist systems, East European socialist systems, were uh, disappearing one by one. So almost a contagious kind of uh, demise of the socialist bloc. The Soviet Union included, of course. China changed. So North Korea was left with no support system uh, international. That's when Kim Il-sung died. And then the rest of the world, of course, that post, after post-Cold uh, post War era, the United States emerged and looked at as the only superpower on the planet. And then, of course, uh, you know, we had a kind of uh, Washington consensus. Uh, uh, Francis uh, uh, Fukuyama's uh, diagnosis of, of the world situation, the end of history. Uh, we have uh, Sam Huntington and the like, uh, basically believing that liberal democracy is the perfected form. There is no other possibility. So I think we are, we are still uh, under the uh, strong uh, influence of this doctrine of Washington consensus. So North Koreans felt that after Iraq, it's us. America is going to attack us. So they developed intense sense of insecurity. And that really was the, uh, the beginning of Kim Jong-il, Kim Jong the second generation. The Kim Jong-il, uh, Kim Jong-il, was prepared for, uh, for the leadership uh, uh, for decades. Uh, but uh, when he came in, things were very different. Contexts were very different. Domestically, in mid-90s, right after the passing of his father, they had a successive flooding, a massive flooding, and a lost uh, arable land, Food production was not going anywhere. In order to expand the arable land, actually Kim Il-sung's era, they cut down all the trees and uh, used uh, these land for uh, agriculture. As a result, this topsoil, I know, I do a little digging in my backyard in Georgia. Topsoil is shallow. So all the topsoil washed uh, down, washed off the, the, the land. And that exacerbated, of course, the flooding situation and also agricultural disaster. Yes, it was a mistake on the part of the planners during the uh, Kim Il-sung and Kim Jong-il uh, Jong era in mid-1990s, uh, but the f severe food shortages. When I, I met uh, with a quite important person who, uh, who was, now died, who was the secretary, uh, party secretary. In communist system, a party secretary is a very important, powerful fellow. And this guy told me in Beijing in 1996, our food crisis is chronic. He used chronic, gojiljak. This is a chronic food shortage situation. It's not going to be alleviated anytime soon. That's when Kim Jong-il came in. So had a food situation, shortages, uh, 
so he was so uh, uh, he was uh, uh, pretty panicked. He he wanted to desperate to do something about the food situation, the economic situation, to the extent that he invited Koizumi from Japan. Remember Koizumi. 1995, I think it was, invited and uh, took rather humiliating uh, uh, measures, apologized for the abduction of Chinese uh, leadership, uh, 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 citizens, and, uh, and also promised uh, uh, to visiting Koizumi that that will not happen again. It was rather uh, embarrassing uh, from uh, such a system. But he did that because he needed something. And of course, he uh, agreed to the, to the uh, uh, 1994 light water reactor and the denuclearization, that Geneva Agreement. Uh, he did that, and uh, he uh, accepted the South Korean uh, proposal to uh, have a greater uh, economic and, uh, and political exchanges uh, in the form of sunshine policy for some 10 years. Uh, he did all that be because the economy was terrible. You know, I, I, I don't believe Kim Jong-un's leadership will continue to be so far stable, to be stable, without his being able to feed the people. There's no way that a system can survive. Then, of course, if we continue to, uh, to uh, uh, strangle, if you will, suffocate North Korea uh, through sanctions and so forth, what will happen? The system cannot be, probably cannot survive. But when it goes down the drain, it will not go down quietly. That is the problem. Maybe we waited much too long. It has the nuclear weapons, it has all kinds of uh, preparedness to stir up the region and beyond. So our choice is rather limited. We have to do uh, something more constructively, work with the Kim Jong-un uh, if we're going to avoid uh, some calamities. I mean, it's empirical assessment. It's not that I love him or something, I try to support him, nothing like that. When I wrote these things in uh, Korean uh, uh, media and so forth and interviewed uh, to that effect, uh, people think you are pro-North, North. And I'm not pro-North or pro-South. I'm pro-peace. I don't want a people. I mean, I just, just a little bit uh, inserting here. I was born in China in the middle of Chinese Civil War. All I remember was uh, bloodshed, fighting, and uh, dead bodies. That's all on top of all the opium, opium addicts. They were all over uh, uh, the country. So was sick of this, uh, this, this madness of war. And then, of course, uh, I, I, as, a, as a young boy, I thought we were avoiding that, uh, that situation and came down to my grandparents' uh, uh, place, which is South Korea, current South Korea. Then we didn't have the demarcation, uh, which occurred, as you know, 1948. Uh, just before that, uh, moved to the South Korea. 
uh, only to find myself even worse war, that is the Korean War, for three long years. As a young boy, I wasn't uh, old enough to be drafted, but uh, as a young boy, I remember vividly the uh, annihilation of people, uh, especially this time, unlike Chinese Civil War, when, uh, when airplanes were not uh, uh, involved. But in this case, uh, uh, U.S. bombers destroyed indiscriminately. So uh, it was a, so I'm, I'm uh, go back to uh, North Korea uh, to make sure that, that uh, the, now another Korean war is, is going to be true calamity, true tragedy. You will have uh, not tens of thousands, millions of people lives are affected. Uh, and uh, of course, uh, regional and global implications, not only in terms of political disturbances, but also economic area too. Uh, think about the Korean War. Uh, you know, South Korea, Japan, and China will be directly affected. And then think about stock market, how, how volatile it will be. So everything will be affected. But, uh, so we've got to uh, stop this, this, uh, uh, this situation. Now, Kim Jong-un, his father, of course, uh, his father, uh, suffered a lot domestically and internationally, sanctions after uh, one after another. You had inter international sanctions for his nuclear programs, missiles program. And that really uh, was the story of the 17 years of his reign uh, Kim Jong-il. And then he died, and this young guy came in. Now here's something experts on, in North Korea do not quite understand. Kim Jong-il was different from his father, Kim Il-sung, in that Kim Jong-il never made major decisions by himself, but his father did. Kim Jong-il needed experts. The situation was beyond his comprehension. He wanted to know about, about American intentions, wanted to know global politics, know about South Korea. You have sunshine policy for 10 years. And Kim Jong-il wanted to know what is the true motive of Kim Dae-jung and Roh Moo-hyun. And he was so, you know, uh, uh, alarmed by the fact that uh, Eastern European, their allies, their systems disappeared because they were invaded by Western undesirable culture and consumption behaviors. So that Kim Jong-il wanted to protect the system from external, they call it bad influence, you know. And then they tried to, they, the one thing was, you know, you know mosquito net? They wanted to have a mosquito net where fresh breeze of air will come in, but blocking all the insects. That's what they wanted. They want to have a mosquito net, not just an iron curtain. Uh, in any case, uh, Kim Jong-il died rather abruptly. Now immediately, isn't that interesting? The leadership there, the, the party, Korea Late Workers Party, issued uh, a statement saying that we are united 
we all follow the lead of our great successor. That was intriguing. An expert must pay attention to that. Not great leader, but great successor, suggesting that Kim Jong-un, this young guy, is not expected to be that much creative at all. And he doesn't have to be in initiating new policies just to succeed his fa father and grandfather's uh, legacies and policy uh, guidelines. In fact, there are plenty guidelines because these two, uh, two uh, previous leaders for as long as they, 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 they were in power. Uh, all kinds of policy directives are there. In North Korea, if you go there uh, and visit uh, uh, government or professors or deans, not ordinary, dean's offices, you'll have daily calendar. You know day calendar, appointment book? And they have that. So I, I, I thought it's interesting, you know, I kind of wanted to flip over. And each and every page, there's no space, no blank space. Page is filled with the Kim Il-sung and Kim Jong-il's guidelines, directives, policies, uh, and, and so forth. It's, a, it's like, a, as a Christian, I was kind of, uh, you know, reading upper room kind of thing, you know, uh, every day. Uh, they will go in and they, they, uh, they will reflect on the teachings of Kim Jong-il and Kim Il-sung. That's North Korea. So it, this guy, Kim Jong-un, is supposed to succeed his father and grandfather. And uh, then the question is, who in the world in North Korea defined Kim Jong-un as the successor? He would not have called him a successor, you know? And that is already there. The human infrastructure has been there throughout uh, uh, Kim, Kim Jong-il era. Now they are intact, they are intact. I know some of them, they are intact. They are making decisions, they are calling the shots. And Kim Jong-un, will uh, agree, will be forced to, to agree no other, uh, with them. So if we, you know the mechanism of decision making, who are involved, how decisions are made, things are not that, uh, that unpredictable, that mysterious, things happening in North Korea, not that mis mysterious. And also North Korea will respond in order to achieve their domestic goals uh, which is regime survival, political integration, and economic development. In order for that, they would have to respond, be very sensitive to, and respond to other countries' policies toward it. South Korea, the United States, Japan, uh, China, Russia, uh, Europe. Uh, and, and they are studying uh, these uh, international environment, they are very interested in what's going to happen uh, with, uh, with this election uh, in the United States, in South Korea. South Korea, there will be a presidential election in December, uh, National Assembly Congressional election uh, in, uh, in April. Uh, so they are waiting, so to speak. I don't think they will, uh, they will do anything 
uh, silly, foolish, like uh, testing uh, another nuclear device and launching uh, missiles. I don't think they will do that. If they did that, this, to me, is a very sure sign of serious problem within the system. Uh, authority structure, there's no uh, solidified uh, power base for him. Uh, I, I could see that, and I don't expect that to happen. Now, Kim Jong-un, Kim Jong uh, right, right now, he's, everyone knows he's the leader. Uh, it has been uh, smooth. Why? In one thing, experts would have to know is in North Korea, there is no civil military distinction. And Kim Jong-il, what he did was, in order to cope with the security problem, and he thought all the countries, including South Korea, tried to make North Korea collapse, even the sunshine policy, Kim Jong-il interpreted it as a, as, as a ploy to induce uh, antagonistic forces through culture and, and ideology and consumption lives. So sunshine policy in South Korea is a pro-North. It's not really pro-North. Designed to unravel North Korean system and ideology. Uh, so, so North Koreans, what the point I'm making is North Korea uh, throughout Kim Jong-il era uh, was faced with what they call antagonistic world. Not only South Korea, but uh, neighboring countries and the United States. And as, as for the United States, we have demonized North Korea for one very important reason. We needed North Korea to be demonized, to be perceived, uh, of, uh, 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 perceived of a country uh, that is capable of posing serious real threat to the United States national security. I don't think North Korea has the ability militarily threat, nor does it have any, have, have any motive to attack the United States. I don't know where, where we get all these stories. North Korea is not capable, unwilling to do, uh, to do anything against the United States. If anything, North Korea wants to improve relations with it. And, uh, and there are a lot of evidence of that. Uh, coming back to six-party talks and trying to uh, have a direct uh, negotiations. In fact, parenthetically, just a few months ago, uh, just before uh, his, his death, actually in late October, and he died in September 17th, I mean, December 17th. So a couple months uh, before his death, uh, at University of Georgia, we were able to invite uh, a group of North Korean dignitaries, uh, real dignitaries. Uh, including party uh, important members, and also South Korean. Uh, Lee Myung-bak government didn't like it, but, uh, but uh, there, South Korea is much more diverse, and uh, politicians, especially people working in the Congress, are not going to uh, obey uh, the Blue House all the time. So I was able to bring uh, South Korean important heavyweight politicians as well as some Americans, former uh, U.S. ambassadors and uh, current uh, congressional policy planners. I was able to invite all three of these. I was so scared, you know. Uh, but 
the outcome was beautiful. We were able to visit uh, University of Georgia. Uh, uh, my center is called uh, uh, Global Studies, uh, uh, Globis, Global Issues, Center for the Global Issues. You will have in first page all these six items that we unanimously agreed. Unbelievable. These individuals came and signed their names to, to this uh, agreement statement. Uh, and of course, you know, at the personal level, uh, they, they, they become a little different, especially uh, I had to, uh, from my home, when we had to sign it, you know, I uh, don't tell anyone. I, uh, 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 I was prepared to lubricate all of them. <laughs> <laughs> So, so I had hard liquor, some 30 bottles of uh, wine, and, uh, and it, was, it was very helpful, very pleasant. I have a, I have a, a, a ping pong table, a table tennis table in my basement. You know, North Koreans or South Koreans, at one point I went down to take a picture. In fact, I did take a picture. I'll put it on a website. Uh, a North Korean dignitary, it's a director of uh, 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 disarmament and, and peace in North Korea, Institute uh, that is, uh, has never been anything like that, never, never been uh, uh, abroad. But he came. He sided, he teamed up with a South Korean dignitary. Same team. So they played, they played, you know. When they won a point, they went high five. You know, it was so... Uh, it was incredible. So I think at, 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 that, at a personal level, uh, we can, uh, it is important for us to, uh, to have exchanges and personal. They will realize uh, the world is bigger than them. You know? From Atlanta Airport to Athens, Georgia, it's about 90 miles. And you have mostly, you have a divided highway. And you have a median, rather generous median. It's not, not like a DMZ, but generous median. It's, it's a very well kept, and a green grass all the way. And this guy kept asking me, what do you do with that land? Oh, that's the way, you know, it's a grass. But don't you, don't you cultivate food there? No, we have enough land. You'll see. We don't have to mass all the... It's dangerous to walk there and cultivate. You know? We don't have curfew time in, in the night. So, you know, so, so you will be amazed by how rich America is, physically amazed. All you need to is bring them in different cities, maybe in a highway driving. They will find how rich uh, the, the country is. And, uh, and they will learn. The world uh, is, is different from what they consider it to be. We know that. We don't know a whole lot about North Korea. But they don't know anything about the world. So that's why we make policies uh, with the austere motives, like helping military industry in North Korea, charismatizing the leadership. So it will not go anywhere. We need to have interaction, and, uh, and that's the only way that we can. Uh, uh, let me, um, there are a lot of things, uh, and I, I have a thick paper, but, uh, but I, I, I was asked uh, to, 
allow generous amount of time for Q&A, uh, which I will do right now. Yes? Yeah, you uh, mentioned that the North had no interest in attacking the United States, but the United States has a strategic interest in protecting or seeing South Korea and even Japan succeed so that that is our, one of our areas of, of special interest. And furthermore, we also have some interest in making sure that China does not succeed militarily in the region. So with that in mind, how, how should the United States approach North Korea? Because that could be a challenge America's strategic interest in supporting the South, South Korea, and Japan? Right. Um, the premise of strategic interest is well uh, taken. Uh, the, uh, uh, there are some scenarios, uh, options, uh, in the future development. Number one, uh, North Korea uh, is uh, uh, to be criticized by the United States and uh, South Korea's Lee Myung-bak and, and all that. And then North, I mean, Japan insists uh, that you have to uh, resolve uh, to our satisfaction uh, the kidnapping uh, issue before we talk anything about uh, security matter uh, and, and so forth. Then, then uh, North Korea will be closer very rapidly to China. And China doesn't want North Korea to collapse uh, because that's a, the only viable uh, communist system uh, that it can brag about. This, you know, the, at least the feasibility of the existence of communist system uh, on the planet. And also North Korea has uh, security interests. Would be nice to have well-armed North Korea uh, playing as a buffer, uh, being a buffer zone uh, against the uh, American uh, uh, attack. And, uh, uh, and, and, and North Korea has not small uh, economic interest to North Korea, to, to China, uh, because uh, of the uh, material that is uh, mineral material uh, there are quite a uh, substantial amount of military, uh, mi mineral uh, re uh, reserves, and as well as a uh, uh, much cheaper labor force, very superior labor force, well-educated labor force. So uh, China is very interested in economically in North Korea. So with that, then this, uh, the, uh, the scenario is uh, that uh, uh, we will have uh, China and North Korea very close. China will address North Korean food and economic uh, issues. Already some 80% plus energy is coming from China. And uh, I have no hard fact because it's all secretive, but uh, the amount of food aid coming from China is, uh, is uh, quite substantial. Uh, that's why still, you know, uh, we are not witnessing uh, a lot of people uh, starving to death in North Korea. Mm -hmm. So that uh, the uh, interdependence, uh, or rather dependence of, 
the DPRK on the PRC, it's going to grow quite rapidly. That's a one scenario. Uh, is that what we want? I don't know. But probably not. And then the other scenario would be that, and in fact, North Korea, this is a North Korean expert should know this too. North Korea doesn't want to be dependent on China. If it, it, it were to be dependent on anyone, China is not the one that it wants to be dependent. Why? Because historically, China has always manipulated, exploited the Korean Peninsula and uh, rather have a dependence uh, uh, on someone living far away uh, uh, like the United States uh, or, or Europe. You know, there are quite a, a few uh, activities and contracts between uh, Pyongyang and uh, the Nordic countries in Europe. Uh, so th they will, uh, they, they will uh, do that. So if we worked with China, allow, I mean North Korea, allow North Korea to be another Japan, that is, uh, uh, let it have the odd marriage uh, between uh, political communism and economic capitalism. Uh, I don't know who will be right, but uh, there are a couple of schools in the United States. One is uh, eventually uh, China will become uh, uh, capitalistic and will become uh, uh, participatory democracy, pluralistic system. The Communist Party uh, in PRC uh, cannot be sustained in the long run. John Nye and some Harvard uh, people are uh, uh, quite optimistic about that. Whereas uh, another school is uh, the difference. So I tend to belong to that. And that is China is no ordinary system. It's very strongly Confucian. When Deng Xiaoping came in, introduced the, the phrase, socialism with Chinese character, characteristics. And he meant that, in fact, those Chinese characteristics, whatever they may be, we scholars would have to dissect that. Uh, then there may be some truth uh, in, the, uh, in, in the claim of Chinese characteristics, and that may have made the odd marriage uh, uh, tenable in the last 30 plus years. We have seen that. There is no immediate sign, immediate sign that comes the party will lose its power and open the door to multi-party system anytime soon. So, it is a strategic decision on the part of the United States. We scholars are not strategic thinkers. Uh, we are naive thinkers. Uh, so that uh, I think, I think uh, uh, the uh, North Korea, uh, they prefer to have relations with uh, the United States, Europe, and diversified rather than dependent on China uh, 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 only. Uh, so we should exploit that inclination of North Korea. If we did that, uh, perhaps, you know, uh, North Korea combined with South Korea can be a buffer against China for the United States. How about that? So, so, so these things are possible. And we have a luxury of thinking grand stuff. Uh, easy on me. Yeah. Um, not really on you, no, sorry. 
Uh, that was a very interesting talk. I appreciate it. As I indicated last night over dinner, though, I, I have a greater deal of skepticism, I think, than you do. Um, there is a, a, a scholarly interpretation of Korea that argues that its leadership at the highest ranks needs an enemy in the capitalist West. That just as George Kennan would write about the Soviet Union, the West is the excuse for Northern leaders to demand sacrifice from its people, uh, to justify its shortcomings, and to rally the people behind the existing government. If we look at the sort of the triumvirate that's coming to power with Kim Jong-un, uh, Chang Song-tek, uh, Kim Kyung-hee, uh, Hui Yong-ho, uh, and some of the military leaders, these are people who have been part of the Kim family or in that inner circle for 50 years. What reason do we now have to believe that they are willing to reverse all of those policies and genuinely open themselves up to increased Western influence? I think the, um, the assumption that uh, Kim Il-sung, Kim Jong-il, especially Kim Jong-il era, the family played a significant role. Uh, I don't think so. Chang Sung-tak, uh, not too long ago, uh, Chang Sung-tak is the uh, uh, is the uncle, uncle uh, of, of Kim Jong-un, uh, was, uh, was purged for some time being. Uh, and uh, if you really look into the rankings uh, there, uh, it's not that, uh, that, uh, that the family is not that terribly uh, important. It's the political party and central committee. Kim Jong-il's nickname was the center of the party. Center of the party was his uh, uh, nickname, pen name. And uh, of the Central Committee, you have a Politburo. Politburo members, there are, there are just a, you know, a handful of them, maybe 14, 16 uh, members, are very, very important. And in North Korea, you know, uh, if you examine their uh, policy gestures and policy conducts, they have been very rational in maximizing their national interests. We have been losing negotiations all the time. They are doing very well because they are experts uh, working there. You know, uh, in, uh, how many of us know really that in North Korea, the experts are so important. They have a proportional representation uh, in, in the parliament. And that it's not proportion to population. It's a proportion to professions, lines of business. There are certain teachers, number of teachers, certain number of manual workers, engineers, scientists. All these are, in fact, military personnel are also selected or elected to the National Assembly. Now we know, you know, Chang Sung-tak is, is a member of National Assembly. He's uh, now recently with Flash, they do four stars. He's a military general. He also is a vice chairman of the military, all the important military commission of the party and administration. The point is, uh, you mentioned of General Lee uh, Young-ho. Young-ho himself, is a very important member of the parliament, member of the administration, and also in the military. So that's, that's the kind of system that, that, that uh, they have run for a long time. 
uh, in that there's, as I said, there's no civil uh, military cleavages unless you break, uh, you know, cut your body half. So, so it's a, a very unique, that's a Korean characteristics we have to think about. Uh, and uh, and uh, uh, as long as you're a professional, well-respected, they, uh, they will be consulted by the center of, of the party. Uh, even, even if you are not members of the party, you will be consulted. But the fact that one is uh, within family of the, of, of the, of the uh, royal family, that doesn't necessarily, you know, they, they are uh, guarded by uh, the possibility of uh, royal coup, for example. Uh, they are not, in, uh, uh, not uh, insensitive to Kim Jong-nam's whereabouts and so forth. But Kim Jong-nam has, has no ability, no, no, no linkage uh, to, to garner any kind of threat to. So what I'm getting at is there will be uh, no chance for uh, some sort of uh, coup at the top, either by military or royal family, or from the bottom, like we see in Arab Spring. We're not going to see that because the ideological education or indoctrination, if you will, has been so complete that they are more or less believers of the system. The problem in Western uh, scholarship is, and, and politicians and governments, we are relying too much on the accounts of the defectors. I think it's common sense, isn't it? Defectors defected for good reason. They are not going to turn around and praise the system they defected from. Uh, so, give any kind of credence to the information provided by the defectors, that is 100% that is wrong. So yeah, it's very difficult to get information, but that's not the way to get information from. So in, in any case, uh, the, uh, I think the likelihood of uh, uh, some kind of coup d'etat uh, of any sort uh, mass uh, uh, dissension uh, that we see in other parts of the world. Uh, it's not likely. So that leaves us with the only option. Work with Kim Jong-un. Work with him. And we brainwash him if we can. We buy some nice things, you know. He's uh, uh, reportedly, I don't know if it's correct report. Uh, he, he was uh, amazed by uh, the uh, uh, iPad. Uh, so maybe next time I go, I'll, I'll buy with my meager, unless the Mushan Center provides me money. <laughs> nice, uh, nice uh, 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 iPad, and see if uh, well, he, he can be intrigued by these things. Uh, but we have to work one way or another, rather than demonizing. We go the same vicious cycle if we demonize it. We haven't done anything. Uh, right now because we're busy too busy. For the first time in many years, I, I noticed that the uh, U.S. president did not mention North Korea by name in his uh, presidential State of Union address. For the first time in many years. What does that mean? I think it suggests uh, some, some calculated uh, 
uh, desire to deal with North Korea, the Korean issue. Uh, of course, we have a lot of headache in other parts of the world. So I think if that desire, that motive is, uh, uh, is, is the case, uh, second term, Obama may be a little different uh, to direct talks and engage North Korea. Okay? Yes. Um, this question is quite so strategic in nature. Um, but you said you have not yet met with Kim, uh, Kim Jong-un. Did you ever have an encounter with Kim Jong-un's command? Or no, 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 no. No, I, uh, you know, I, 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 although I'm Christian, I'm a very Confucian scholar. And Confucian scholar has some dignity. Uh, I, I don't want to. I don't want to chase Kim Jong Nam or, or or anyone for that matter. In fact, uh, when President Carter was uh, going to North Korea uh, last uh, year, uh, we had uh, a private chat uh, 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 waiting outside. I mean, literally, and he was prepared to go, only to be uh, stopped by the U.S. government, and they wanted to, uh, uh, to make sure that the, uh, the guy who was detained, Mr. Gomes, was good enough health to travel back to the United States. Uh, so a team of doctors went there uh, before Jimmy Carter's trip, and, uh, and that, that got a little delayed. Uh, anyway, coming back to Confucian scholar, uh, he wondered if I could go uh, as, as an interpreter. And I, I said, uh, you know, I, I can interpret informally, but not in public arena. I cannot be interpreter. I'm, I'm a scholar. So I, if you're going to take me, list me as a senior advisor. <laughs> and he accepted it. Uh, so uh, no, I haven't, I haven't seen, nor have I any intention of, of chasing these guys. Yeah. We'll hear from Kim Jong-un. I mean, uh, they may never come. They may never come. I think uh, his wishes have been known uh, to us. We're not reading well enough. He wants improved relations with the United States. He wants to continue his father's policies. That's exactly what his father tried to accomplish. He wants to have a good relationship with South Korea. Uh, and and, uh, uh, and uh, revive the uh, industrial complex at the uh, city of Kaesong and Kungwang Mountain tourism and all that. I mean, there are plenty of things that we know what he wants, he would have said, but uh, I don't know if he will uh, pick up a microphone and invite, you know, AP. AP, by the way, is there, but very limited. Uh, and, and Reuters and uh, Ohio State University Press all, all uh, come there. And, uh, and have a have a press conference uh, that that they will never come. But, but Han, it, it, it's often speculated, it, it particularly from northern media reports, that the late 2010 attack on the Cheonan and the shelling of the Yongpyeong Islands were done on his authority to sort of establish his credentials. If he's trying to reach out to the Mitch, south and the Mitch, west, that's an odd way. To Mitch, how do you know? How do you know these were? Done. Uh, Yeonpyeong, I know. 
Yunpyeong, they shelled Yunpyeong and uh, Yunpyeong Island. They, they did. And uh, their explanation is prior to that, they, they think South Koreans did some provocative uh, military act. That's that set aside. And Chunan boat sinking. How do you know? How do we know? It was North Korea that did. And I've been exposed to media account. I'm, I'm fact-oriented. I don't know the fact, really. There are many conjectures. There may be theories, but not really hard fact. There are many doubts uh, by uh, critics of government explanations uh, that pose, and I'm not giving credence to them uh, either. But somehow we are very quick to accept South Korean government, American government, international uh, team investigation. North Korea wanted to send a team of investigation. South Korea immediately rejected it. I don't know why. And if you are a criminal, if you are uh, labeled as, uh, as, as the, you know, you, you assaulted, then in the court, I think North Koreans should be given uh, to tell their side of story. And I heard their side of story. It is worth hearing, but we, we were, you know, making our uh, conclusions without knowing the fact. So I'm, I don't know. Probably, do we know who killed uh, John Kennedy? You know, things, there are things, even open society, mysterious. Chen'an boat incident is going to be one of them. We'll never find out who truly did. Sorry about that. Yeah, yes. Sir, if I may ask, I'm, uh, I'm in the U.S. Navy, and I was actually uh, in, stationed in Japan, and was actually working with the uh, Republic of Korean Navy at the time. It was actually a Rock Second Fleet headquarters on Chunan. So what is the North Koreans, you said you've heard their, what is their side of the story? Well, their stories, they didn't do it, first of all. They had their, their, own, their own kind of hard evidence in writings and uh, their, their, the, the materials that uh, the international panel of experts produced uh, were not credible. There are a lot of loopholes. Uh, that's what they're saying. And then uh, Russians, uh, three, I think, uh, experts came uh, subsequently, came, did uh, their own investigation. And it also casts some doubt from that side of the curtain. Uh, so, and then also uh, North Koreans, uh, you know, that mentioned of the motive. Uh, this is a time when U.S. sophisticated radar system and South Korean uh, mi military were conducting joint exercise in small uh, area. And uh, uh, was told that they're not that full to send such submarine in that kind of uh, climate. Uh, so, and, and then, if they did successfully went in there and, and then did the damage and safely uh, came back in the middle of the exercise, they were amused. They said that our maneuverability must be great, you know. But what I'm suggesting is, uh, let them come out, and we, we have to 
you know, they, they have the evidence, bring them on. And we have international panel of experts. We should have gone that way, at least that far. We didn't do it. I don't know why we didn't do it, but we didn't do it. So, you know, I'm, I'm sorry, especially gentlemen in uniform, uh, you, you, you have your, uh, you know, your mission and so forth. I respect immensely uh, for that. Uh, but as a scholar, uh, we have to base our policy conclusions on hard facts. Okay? Yes. And then later you said how the North Koreans really didn't want to be overly dependent right. on China. Right. Well, um, if, if things didn't coalesce, uh, if uh, power didn't coalesce around him, Sun, and it started, things went south, uh, maybe the, the regime No, no, I, I, I don't think uh, they will let uh, North Korea collapse violently. Uh, it's, uh, it's conceivable that, say, in uh, this year's election, if progressive government uh, were to uh, arise in South Korea, uh, then uh, willing to work with North Korea, help North Korea economically and so forth, North Korea will, will use uh, Beijing and Seoul uh, and, 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 and uh, let them compete pull both strings, that's what North Korea will do, maneuver between the two to maximize uh, their, their interests. Uh, I don't think they, they want uh, to rely on China or South Korea. They would rather be dependent on the United States and Europe. Uh, so, so, yeah, yeah it's, it's a, a quite uh, conceivable that South Korea and China uh, will be manipulated by North Korea uh, in, in that regard. Yeah. Yes, sir. I want to ask, go back to your mosquito net metaphor, mm -hmm. and ask, projection to the future, I mean, the mosquito net is probably not ultimately viable forever. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't know sure, sure. What would happen, or what might happen, say, over the next decade, you know, this is, a, as, as, a, as a global thinker, I, I would say, uh, the, the world, the global village is uh, in influx, you know. Uh, that, uh, that net, uh, basically the, the, the mosquito net, uh, they tried to avoid consumerism, uh, for one thing, uh, and uh, decadent culture, Hollywood culture or something. Uh, uh, and, and then they want to have uh, the fresh air, the economic benefit, and technology, and science. Uh, uh, that, that's what they want. But uh, in the long run, in the long run, say uh, 10 years beyond, uh, North Korea cannot keep that mosquito net. Uh, it, it will bound to, uh, you know, crack. Uh, you have mosquitoes, really giant flies can break the mosquito and then uh, come in there. Uh, it, it is 
Uh, it is inevitable. I mean, you, I mean, they try to, through political education, they try to uh, prepare uh, the citizens uh, against that. But uh, that's the human nature. But at the same time, how these uh, uh, formerly Eastern European countries, uh, former Eastern Germany even, uh, uh, are doing? Uh, are they really happy with uh, uh, capitalism or with uh, the kind of distributive uh, mechanism of resources? They will monitor very carefully. In Pyongyang, in fact, uh, when, when I sit in different hotels, uh, they air for their domestic consumption. How miserable these uh, uh, newly independent uh, former uh, Soviet bloc countries are as a result of letting mosquitoes come in. Uh, so so it, is a, it is a challenge on both sides. And I, it, we cannot deny that uh, uh, as a result of uh, the, uh, the German unification and uh, Soviet change and China too, capitalism, a uh, great deal of uh, uh, distributive injustice and, uh, and a great deal of problem. And I think 99.1% kind of thing is not limited to capitalist system at all. I mean to, uh, to uh, liberal democracies at all in communist systems that uh, they have that too. Uh, so it's, it's a kind of competition of not, o not only ideas but also realities. But uh, directly to your uh, question, I think North Korea will have difficulty in maintaining the mosquito net. And I have promised to have Dr. Park at a classroom full of undergraduates in half an hour. So let me call it a day and ask you to join me in. Thank you. Thank you.